0: And welcome to WGN-TV Political Report. I'm
1: Paul Lisnick, And I'm Tamon Bradley. Coming up. I am a political prisoner. I was put in prison for practicing politics. No remorse, how the commutation of former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich is shaping the future of the criminal justice system. Plus. This race isn't about one case. Ms. Fox uh,
0: lost that public trust. The gloves are off. We've got a preview of the WGN
1: Cook County State's Attorney Democratic debate. And Bernie Sanders, red hot. We're out on the campaign trail as the senator sweeps the Nevada caucuses, plus what it could mean for here in Illinois. Hey, thanks everybody for
0: joining us this morning. We'll begin with the story that shocked Illinois and sent news crews into a
1: frenzy in Chicago. Rob Blagojevich is back in town. President Donald Trump set the former Illinois governor free after nearly eight years inside a Colorado prison cell. Blagojevich refused to apologize for the actions that landed him there, including trying to sell Barack Obama's Senate seat and shaking down a children's hospital for campaign cash. Now, Instead, the political showman called himself a reformed
0: Trumpocrat, blaming the criminal justice system for his troubles and vowing to fight for change. Take a listen.
2: I hope that as I move forward, I can take some of that experience that I've had and try to do what I can to try to improve what is a broken and I believe in many cases a corrupt criminal justice system. When it comes to crime and punishment in America, the United States incarcerates Six to ten times more people than any other industrialized nation in the world. We put more people in jail than China and Russia. Federal prosecutors like to boast about their 97% conviction rate. But doesn't that boast show just how rigged the system is?
1: Most of the people close to the disgraced governor scoffed at his pleas for reform. That includes his then-Lieutenant Governor, Pat Quinn, who called those comments ironic. After ascending to the state's highest office, Quinn inherited a backlog of nearly 3,000 clemency petitions from Blagojevich. In fact, Cabrini-Green legal aid sued Blagojevich for evading his responsibility to review requests for commutations and pardons while he was still in office.
0: Juliet Sorensen is a clinical professor of law at Northwestern University. She's also the executive director of the nonprofit investigative journalism organization, Injustice Wash. Juliet, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. My pleasure. So, the governor is out, uh, commuted, not pardoned. And, um, you know, some raise questions as to the way this happened. Um, the president apparently watching Patty Blagojevich on Fox and being impacted by that. Not typically the way these, these actions are taken. What message, if any, does that send?
3: Well, first it's not that it wasn't within the president's power to do this, it certainly was. And in that sense, the uh, the method or the process uh, is not required and, and matters less than you might think. Uh, the, the message that it sends really relates to those pardons or commutations that the president didn't consider. Uh, he considered a high-ranking public official convicted of multiple serious crimes of public corruption and not, for example, uh, uh, individuals convicted of low-level drug offenses and sentenced to significant sentences uh, for something that might be a compelling policy issue.
1: Juliet Bogoevich is going around. He's talking a lot, talking to anyone who would listen. There's no double jeopardy in America, but could he be in any legal trouble?
3: Look. Uh, His sentence has been commuted, he's been released, Uh, the convictions stand, Uh, is he creating fresh ground for himself by going out there and asserting that he was a political prisoner and that the prosecutors were persecuting him? Uh, It's very unlikely at this point in time. Uh, That said, uh, he likes to talk, so who knows what he's going to say next.
0: So you know, related to Taban's question most people that get pardoned or commuted generally have some remorse about what they've gone through. They're sorry for what they put the system through and all of that. We don't get that from the former governor. Um, is that a critical part in these
3: decisions? Should it play a role? The pardon power is so, is so large uh, and it is so discretionary that it, for, in my opinion and from the, from the perspective of many presidents, the answer is yes. Uh, when you consider that mercy is part of justice, that forgiveness is uh, a, is a significant passage in human redemption. Uh, What goes into that acceptance of responsibility, uh, perhaps a, a commitment to good deeds, to trying to turn a page. Uh, And yes, uh, when you look at executives across the country, not just the president of the United States, but governors, for example, uh, they do tend to look to uh, expressions of of contrition uh, and as I said, that acceptance of responsibility.
1: Speaking of governors and presidents, this comes up every time there's a high-profile pardon or commutation. Should the country rethink the powers we give presidents and governors?
3: Well, the president's pardon power is squarely within the Constitution, uh, so that would require a constitutional amendment. And it seems like a high hurdle, not one that I think that President Trump would support.
1: Is it something we should pursue?
3: You know, again, I think that goes to an existential question about mercy and forgiveness. Uh, Should the chief executive have the power to say, I absolve you from what the system has deemed a conviction and a punishment? I think there are instances in which that's appropriate.
0: So one of the purposes of punishment, there are several, um, one is called general deterrence. It means we want other people to get the message here that they shouldn't be doing what, in this case, this former governor was convicted of doing. But take a look at Illinois and the level of corruption that goes on here. How's that working for us? Uh,
3: Look, from the perspective of social science researchers, the jury is very much out on whether sentences actually deter future crimes. Uh, Judge Zagel, when he sentenced Governor Blagojevich, expressly said that was why he was imposing such a significant sentence, to send a message of deterrence to other politicians in Illinois who might be similarly situated and tempted to commit those crimes.
1: Juliet, we were at his house. We were at the airport. Uh, Quickly, what do you make of, of how the media performed over the last week?
3: It was a feeding frenzy, uh, in part perpetuated by the governor himself. Uh, At the time he was arrested, he was a sitting governor. It was high profile. It was headlines for weeks and months. He went to trial not once, but twice. Uh, So it's not surprising that when he's released from prison from a president who himself enjoys making headlines on a regular basis, uh, that the media was all over it.
0: Juliet Sorensen from Northwestern University, thank you. We probably haven't seen the last of Governor Legoyevich. Thanks for being with us. We're going to take our first break, but coming up.
4: Why didn't Kim Fox stand up in front of the people and say, here's why I dropped the charges?
0: We're headed to the debate stage. The Democratic candidates for Cook County State's attorney face off here on WGN tonight. We've got a preview for you after this.
1: Welcome back to WGN TV political report. We brought you inside this race before and tonight on WGN. We're taking the Democratic candidates for Cook County State's attorney to the debate stage. Incumbent Kim Fox faces an uphill battle to reelection as three challengers take issue with the way she's running the office. Their main sticking point, the treatment of the Jesse Smollett case. Take a listen.
4: Ms. Fox still isn't telling us the truth about what happened in that case. And that's why the people have lost confidence in her administration. Because when you blow a big case, people don't trust you on any other case. We know that She charged 16 counts. Uh, Is she saying she didn't have responsibility for that? And a few weeks later, she dropped the charges, before a special prosecutor was appointed. Why didn't Kim Fox stand up in front of the people and say, here's why I dropped the charges. Here's what happened. And instead, she's been hiding behind a special prosecutor, so she doesn't tell us what happened. The special prosecutor found that there was no other case handled like this in the office and and yet Ms. Fox continues to say that there were other cases like that. So that's the issue. The issue is there was a right way to handle the Jussie Smollett case, but it wasn't done by this office. And that's why people have lost confidence.
0: Alright, let me open this up to the rest of you. Dan Webb says the state's attorney's office was unable to provide evidence that they treated Smollett the same as similar cases. If you are elected, what concrete procedures will you put in place to make sure the public knows what is behind your position? Please be specific. Mr. Fioretti, we'll start with you one minute.
5: Well, first of all, I wouldn't take a phone call from somebody who was important or powerful. It was clearly, that's how this whole investigation went. Secondly, I I think I would not treat uh, somebody like Jesse Smollett differently than anybody else. Uh, w- w- no matter what is said out of it. I think we s- sometimes see in an impeachment of a witness, we ask, are you lying then, or are you lying now? Uh, 10 days ago, two weeks ago, Ms. Fox said, uh, before w- one of the panels, on uh, before the Tribune or sometimes, uh, that she had the highest regard for Dan Webb. Then the day later, when the, everything came out, she said he was part of uh, you know, uh, a friend of uh, the AG bar uh, and, and tried to take away his credibility. I mean, what is the truth in this matter? And again, I think the question should be, tell us any other case that you, uh, that your office dropped as a prosecutor and uh, of somebody who filed a false... All right, Mr. Boss, Fritti, uh, thank,
0: thank you very much. Report. Mr. Conway, would
6: you like to chime in? You can't have a situation where politically connected people get better deals. And uh, clearly in this case, that's exactly what happened here. And I can promise you that not only are we going to maintain that, uh, you know, we will maintain proper data to make sure that that's the case, but also I'm not going to be responding to politicians who who ask for, ask for favors or contact her office on that because it is important that the state's attorney's office be a beacon of public trust. And clearly in this case, Ms. Fox uh, lost that public trust in the fact that she lied about being recused from this case and also lied about how the office always handles cases this way. And you, and you just can't have that at the state's attorney's office. It needs to be a beacon of public trust. All right, Ms. Box, your name
0: was invoked. 30-second rebuttal. Thank you. We are the most transparent prosecutor's office in the country. We already release. Thousands of data points of felony case level data going all the way back to 2011, where people can see how we make charging decisions. I also want to point out there was a case in May of 2019 where a woman in Grant Park said that she was stabbed by a black man. This news station covered that case, and it was determined that that was unfounded. That case wasn't even called into the prosecutor's office. And so while it's not exactly like the Smollett case, these types of cases aren't. All right, Ms. And they're pulling no punches. Joining us now to talk about the debate and the race ahead, former
1: federal prosecutor Dwayne Deskins. And deputy director of the Illinois Justice Project, Sharon Mitchell. Gentlemen, thank you for waking up early this morning and joining us. us, Let's start with the Jesse Smollett case. Why do you think the public is so fascinated by this?
7: Um, It's a sexy case. It's a case that can pop up on CNN just like it can pop up on TMZ. People talk about it. You don't have to know a lot about uh, criminal justice or, or anything to, to have an opinion. So uh, it's, it's in the pop
2: culture. I think it's uh, because of the, the nature of the, how the prosecutor's office handled the case afterwards, not so much whether you think Jesse Smollett did it or didn't do it, it's that the questions that were asked weren't answered and they still haven't been answered. And I think people question as the chief law enforcement officer of the county. You are modeling the behavior you want your lawyers and the cops to follow in the courtroom. There is nobody else but you to model the behavior. And when you talk about just, can you be truthful, that client, that line about how do you get to be, you know, the uh, false confession cap of the world is that all those people are not doing what they should be doing, whether it be in the court of a public opinion, or in the court of law.
0: You know, it may be that the Smollett case intrigues people because look, it's got celebrity, it's got so many things involved with it. But the truth is, Dwayne, when you look at Cook County as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. So everybody in Cook County can, you know, maybe appreciate that case, but there are different needs in Cook County. You talk about the needs in, in say, the, the south side or maybe the west side of the city, and then come over to Michigan Avenue or the Mag Mile. We're talking about running this office for Cook County. got different concerns.
2: Right, there's the 131 municipalities or so in Cook County. Each of them is different. Um, Each of the neighborhoods in the city of Cleveland, I mean, the city of Chicago is different. And so you ask yourself, are the needs of one gonna dwarf the needs of the other? And I think that you always have to keep in mind that you have to balance not just one city, but 131 other municipalities and their needs may be different. They may be concerned about shoplifting because that's all they have. But the others may be concerned about violence because that's what they see most of. And
1: shoplifting came up in our debate Sharon, for some, some people view the criminal justice system as being about law and order, but there's a much more progressive view. Can you speak to that?
7: Yeah, there is. I I think what it's about is safety, right? Whether you are a law and order person, whether you're a person who believes the criminal justice system is broken, people wanna be safe, right? Um, And the question I think is, how do you best get to that safety? I think there's been an old way of doing things where people are as tough as they can be and folks who lived in communities saw that that wasn't particularly working, right? The crime was still high and their communities were being torn apart. Uh, I think that this idea that there's a gap between criminal justice reform and law enforcement may not be as Why does folks think about it? And if you can make an effective criminal justice system, uh, it can both feature reform efforts, but also be effective when it's talking about reducing crime.
1: And Sharon, do you think Kim Fox has changed the direction of this office in a measurable way?
7: Well, certainly on, uh, if you look at the stats, right, the stats suggest that crime is going down since 2016. You know, one of the th- reasons why I think we're talking about Smollett so much or some of the challengers are talking about Smollett so much is because the numbers don't support this idea that crime is going through the roof. If crime was going through the roof, that'd be the first, second, last, in the middle thing that the candidates will be talking about, uh, the challengers will be talking about. So uh, I-, I think that she's doing a, a good job uh, in terms of reforming the criminal justice system. And certainly this kind of experiment of kind of reorganizing resources seems to be working.
0: You know we we talked with the candidates a bit about diversity and the importance of the fact that um, perhaps some of these candidates don't look like the folks who are in a lot of those courtrooms. Uh, Let's take a look at what they had to say and we'll get your reaction on the other side.
4: I've represented people, uh, I've helped witnesses, I've helped victims, I've helped people fight the system who are up against big government. That's not an issue. The issue is that you have to have a community that trusts you.
5: We can talk about Uh, fighting government. We can talk about this. We can talk about that. But the truth of the matter is we have to be in our communities. And I've been always a proponent of diversity of our police department and diversity of our state's attorney's office.
6: And I I can also promise you that I will be a visible member of the the community. I, I am going everywhere in this county to let everyone know that I am going to be a state's attorney for everybody. I'm going everywhere in this county during my campaign and I'm going to continue to go everywhere in this county to let everyone know that I will
0: represent them. So is the key here, Duane, more about the diversity of the state's attorney or the line attorneys, the staff attorneys that people interact
2: with? Well, having worked in an office like that as a first assistant, you want to have an office, uh, as you do a police department, that represents the people you serve. And I think that there are progressive prosecutors across the country who've tried to do that. I think that, you know, when you talk about violence reduction, you know, you can look that for the last century, violent crime in America has gone down, and similarly in Chicago, while there have been spikes, they all have gone down. And since we had a spike in 2016, 17, it also has gone down like previous spikes have. So it's not that they haven't seen reductions over the past century. It's that are the things that you are doing resulting in that causing that. And I think that's where the the jury may be still out. But the fact you are trying is good thing. Uh, No one has ever, prevented their way to to safety and no one has prosecuted their way to safety. It's always going to be about the balance that you strike.
1: And Duane, when judging a prosecutor's record, what do you think voters should consider?
2: Integrity, honesty, judgment. um, Those are the things that come over time. And those are the things that that will be your uh, legacy going forward because those are the things that you want to model to not just the citizenry, but to the lawyers, the judges and the law enforcement officers who testify in your cases. Uh, We see that in the national stage now. You have left to doubt whether or not that's true and you always have to be willing to come forward and then talk about, well, mitigating circumstances. What have I done to offset whatever I may have done wrong?
1: And Sharon, you get the last question, 30 seconds. Bond reform remains a hot topic in Cook County. Uh, Bottom line, is the county releasing too many violent offenders?
7: I think the question needs to be about whether we should be using cash as a determining factor in whether somebody should be in or should be out. Uh, Right now we have a system that works too quickly and we really need to be changing the laws uh, to ensure that judges are able to make the right decisions. I think money is really the problem more than anything.
1: All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. Ron we Mitchell, Dwayne Deskins.
0: We appreciate your insight. And you. don't forget, you can watch the debate in its entirety. It's tonight, 6 o'clock, right here on WGN. It'll also be streaming, of course, at WGNTV.com slash live. Coming up next. Bernie has
3: won. Congratulations, Bernie. Come on.
1: Despite pushback from his challengers, Bernie Sanders again comes out on top in Nevada what a new poll says about his standing here in Illinois. Stick with us. We have now won the Nevada caucus.
0: He's done it again. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders cementing his frontrunner status for the Democratic presidential nomination with a decisive victory in the Nevada caucuses. South Carolina, that's up next, where candidates like Joe Biden hope to finally pick up a win amongst a more diverse
1: group of voters. A new poll from the Paul Simon Public Policy Institute shows Senator Bernie Sanders leading here in Illinois. 22% of registered voters who were polled said they'd pick Sanders if the election were held today. And Michael Bloomberg, his spending spree may have paid off at least in this state. He's in second place with 17%. Former Vice President Joe Biden is in third, closely followed by Pete Buttigieg.
0: With a little less than a month to go, the key group to pay attention to here is the 17% that say they still don't know who they're gonna vote for. The Illinois primary, March 17th. One more break, what to expect from the week ahead when we come back.
1: The man at the center of the most controversial case in Cook County is due back in court tomorrow morning. Jesse Smollett will face a county judge after a special grand jury indicted the actor on six new charges of disorderly conduct. Smollett is accused of staging a racist and homophobic attack against himself early last year. The original charges against him were dropped by Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox.
0: And Fox will answer questions about that case, Tamon, and much more tonight here on WGN-TV. Our debate with all four candidates for Cook County State's Attorney on the Democratic side. It airs tonight again, 6 o'clock. It's a one-hour, and it's commercial-free. We sure hope you'll tune in.
1: And, Paul, our debate with the two Republican candidates will air next Sunday, March 1st at 6 o'clock, 6 p.m. And that'll do it for us on this edition of the WGN-TV Political Report. Next week, what to watch for on Super Tuesday, plus the race for a seat on the Illinois Supreme Court.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what you need to know for that. Please join us then. Have a great day.